This podcast is brought to you by the Baton Rouge Area Foundation, your community foundation, which is focused on one simple goal, to help philanthropists pursue their causes for bettering the lives of people in Louisiana. Welcome to another episode of The Pod. I'm your host, Chris Meyer, and today we're excited to welcome in Sam Heisman, the founding head of school for Great Hearts Harveston, a new school coming to Baton Rouge next year. Great Hearts Harveston exists to cultivate the hearts and minds of students through the pursuit of truth, goodness, and beauty. Their primary tool of cultivation is the Socratic method. They seek to employ this timeless teaching technique in which the teacher uses questions and conversations to guide students from what they already know to what they do not yet know in all subjects. The school located in the master plan at the preserve at Harveston will be opening in fall 2023. Keep listening to learn more about Sam and his work with Great Hearts Harveston. Sam, welcome to the pod. Thanks, Chris. Happy to be here. Well, it's exciting to, to have you on. I have not had the chance to, to talk much this year on the podcast about education, which, you know, is a, a passion of mine. Right. And, and this school in particular is exciting because it's providing a unique new offering to our community. Before we start talking about Great Hearts Harvesting, though, I want our listeners to understand a little bit about you. Sure. And this, this will maybe pique some of their interest, but I hear you're related to the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, yeah. Last name's not a typo, not a mistake. I am related to the man after whom. The Heisman Trophy is named. He was my great, great uncle. Uh, his dad was first generation off the boat from Germany oh, wow. and made uh, made barrels. He was a coopersmith, so they followed the oil all around uh, northern Ohio, n- northwestern PA. And they ended up in Cle- just outside of Cleveland, Titusville, Ohio. And then he sent him to college. He kept uh, He was supposed to study law. He kept playing football on the side. Eventually landed a few coaching jobs. Still holds the record for the highest scoring football game in history, 222 to nothing. Yeah, he, he coached at Georgia Tech, Clemson, and Oberlin, a number of other schools. And uh, after he retired from coaching, he worked for the Downtown Athletic Club and wanted to set up a trophy for the best college football player of uh, each particular year. He died after the very first trophy, and they named it after him oh, wow. uh, in honor of everything he'd done, all the coaching he'd done. He and Pop Warner both pioneered the center snap and the forward pass. So in a a lot of ways, football wouldn't be what we know without Coach Heisman and guys like Pop Warner. That's an incredible story. Now, you also played sports growing up, not not as much football as I understand. Yeah. You, you're a basketball guy like me, so right. uh, but but you were really motivated, uh, I think, going into college to pursue teaching ultimately. Mm-hmm. What, what was your kind of passion? Why did you decide to go that route, and why did you decide to become a teacher when you graduated college? Sure, sure. I think I think there are two main motivations there. Right. I can remember in high school, as you mentioned, being very athletically minded. Uh, you were either good at school or good at sports. Uh, when I got to the college uh, that I attended, I remember wanting to succeed academically and feeling uh, very shameful that I didn't know everything my classmates did. Yep. And I can remember thinking, if I become a teacher, I don't want any kid to feel shame in the classroom like I do now. That was a key motivating feeling. right? Wow. Sometimes it's not always about that aspirational atmosphere that you want to establish, but it's about that, that, motiv- that motivating that feeling in others, uh, not having fear while they're learning. Mm-hmm. Right? And I can also remember being a part of various student organizations in between high school and college. I did some, some evangelical mission work. And I can remember thinking, you know, conversations can change lives. Individual moments can change lives. But from what I'm seeing right now, what's really needed is a, 
is an established culture to change lives for a long time. So wanting people to feel joy in learning and wanting to see a culture that perpetuates that joy and that feeling of freedom in the classroom, uh, true freedom uh, to do what you ought and to be free to have your own opinion, free from bias, et cetera. Those were huge motivations to become a teacher, to set up a classroom culture and to, to make it such that learning was you know, kind of intoxicating and joyful. Now, was your first teaching job out of college with Great Hearts? Yeah. Yep. So you, you, how did you find Great Hearts, the school organization, and what motivated you to, to want to join them? Sure. I attended Hillsdale College in South Central Michigan, and Great Hearts was one of many uh, charter providers that came to our charter school job fair. Hmm. And uh, I met Keon Mapes there. She's still with the company. I think you've gotten to meet her uh, mm, a number right. of times. Uh, she's still with the company. She's the vice president of talent. And I had a wonderful interview with, their, with her and, and then flew out to Arizona and uh, was lucky to get the opportunity to teach high school fine arts and coach JV basketball. And I'll maintain that JV is the most fun level to coach. <laughs> He'll still listen to you then. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> now, tell us a little bit about, about Great Hearts, you know, specifically as, as an organization. Because when, when I met you, you were actually in San Antonio as mm -hmm. a, a headmaster there at that school. Yeah. Talk to us just about the organization's founding, its origin story, and, and, and again, how it began to kind of grow throughout the state of Arizona and eventually into Texas. Sure, sure. You know, I think... I think our CEO, obviously, Jay Heiler, would tell the origin story a little better than I would. But from what I understand, uh, you can trace the origin of Great Hearts and Basis all back to the same... Basis being another charter school that, that's here now in Baton Rouge. Yeah. Correct, correct. You can trace the, organ, uh, the origin of both these charters to a particular time in the Arizona state government and then to, uh, in the um, cabinet of a particular... Uh, I can't remember if it was the governor or another another figure, but mm -hmm. uh, the ideas for a rigorous college prep program and a classical school program were both started there. And both ideas really took off. I think Greatheart's origin, you know, starting in Phoenix, right around the turn of the millennia, there was such a demand and an interest in charter schools, and there was a particular interest in at classical charter schools. And I think there's a lot of ways you can talk about classical education. I think uh, I think Great Hearts has a really unique and, and clear take on it. We'd say classical education is emotional, intellectual, and moral excellence, right? We say emotional, loving, noble things. Well, that's more like moral excellence, loving, noble thing. Emotional excellence is is living well together, living in community. And then intellectual excellence is, is thinking deeply in the context of Socratic conversation in lively classrooms with a time-tested curricula that has just uh, been around for quite some time. I mean, our curriculum was, the basis of it was formed from the Trinity schools in South Bend, Indiana, mm -hmm. right? For a private school in Indiana. I mean, the, the school that Notre Dame professors would send their kids to. So oh, wow. what Great Hearts has done is pretty revolutionary, is pretty incredible. Take that curriculum and make it available to everyone, right? The best education for some being available to everyone, regardless of their background. To bring that private school curriculum to everybody with excellent low student-teacher ratio instruction where we can effectively employ the Socratic method and effectively invest in these children so that they can think deeply, love noble things, and live well together. That takes a lot of attention from a teacher. It's a pretty high aspirational, audacious goal, but I'd like to think that we set up the culture where we make it possible. 
Well, and, and from your own personal story, I mean, being drawn to a place that you could really spread the joy of learning. That's right. I, when I have visited your schools in the past, whether they be in Arizona or in, or in Texas, I'm, I'm struck by you, you walk into a classroom mm-hmm. and there's not a sort of teacher sitting at the front of the room sort of, right. you know, being the fount of knowledge, you know, right. spouting out. Instead, um, sometimes it's hard to find the teacher in the room because <laughs> yeah. the, the students are really the ones leading the discussion. They're being challenged by a core central question, and then yeah. they are sort of prodding each other along. That's right. Talk to us about how what does it take to kind of build a culture like that where then the students are really now invested in, mm-hmm. in guiding their own learning? Because that, that has been remarkable for me. I would say that, I mean, overall, our aspiration is to have a culture of joy and order, right? Not one or the other, right? If you have nothing but joy, you have something more like a, um, I would say, more like a summer camp, right? If you have nothing but order, you have a police state, right? We want both in full measure. We don't see a dichotomy there. So that's, that's always a cultural goal we're trying to achieve. What I would say is in order to establish that, the teacher has to adopt the mindset that they are the chief learner in the room, not... Not a tyrannical figure, but the chief, and and not a, and and they do have authority, but we don't want them to wield it in in such a way that it's an us them relationship, right? They have authority in the same way that a scout guide has authority when he's leading a hike, right? The teacher is that chief learner in the classroom, and uh, when you make that paradigmatic or idea switch in your mind, right, when you're the chief learner, the students sense an inner humility and an excitement at the material to be learned. And it's, it's pretty intoxicating. We, don't, we, we like to say that we hire people who are intellectually alive. They are excited at the prospect of reading the Aeneid for the 12th time in their life with 18-year-olds, with 17-year-olds, right? They're excited about making the same discoveries that they've made repeatedly and discovering new ones, but also framing those discoveries in conversations such that those 17-year-olds can have the same discoveries to scale. Right, they're not going to use the same language that these people used in their dissertation, but they're going to use it in a way that is is appropriate and touches on the same thing. And you have seen, as an organization, really tremendous success over the last two That's decades. Right. I mean, you, you sort of mentioned how this started out with a you know various public school offerings that anybody mm-hmm. could attend, mm-hmm. but each of these sort of charter school organizations had a unique kind of mission and role. Yours was about classical education, and over time, demand for the schools grew in Arizona. Demand then came from other states. You, you all eventually spread not only throughout Arizona, but, but into Texas, mm-hmm. and results have really followed. In fact, I, right. I think you've just been named the highest performing charter organization in Arizona, and you just received an A mm-hmm. uh, in performance from the state of Texas. So talk to us about some of those results and the demand you've seen yeah. from families over time. Yeah, I mean, I think it is, I think it speaks to the time tested and uh, nature of our curriculum, but it also speaks to the dedication and intelligence of our leaders. Uh, one school in particular jumps to mind in Arizona and in, in the Phoenix area, Great Hearts Lincoln, right? Uh, with Dr. Toyonok Altagabi as their headmaster, they are the highest rated K-8 charter school, K-8 school in Arizona. Wow. The highest rated, right? For a, for a young, for a still young network, right? 20 years or so. That's, that's a tremendous accomplishment. And we have a number of A-rated schools in Arizona as well, such that we are the number one rated charter school network. Well, no, not just charter school network. We're the number one rated public school network in Arizona. That's and incredible. we have multiple A ratings in Texas as well. 
Uh, shout out to Great Hearts Northern Oaks in San Antonio, my former school. We have a number of A-rated schools in San Antonio. And I think it speaks to a couple things, right? Our curriculum is tried and true. Students are getting wonderful communal and rigorous learning experiences in all of the liberal arts and cross, across disciplines, right? In mathematics, yes, in our flagship Humane Letters program, which is history, philosophy, and literature, but also in the sciences and also in physical education and the fine arts. Our students are getting wonderful experiences in all of those. And I think, as, as many studies can tell you, when a student gets to and is honored by uh, the opportunity to, to learn in every single discipline, they tend to excel in all those disciplines as well, right? Yeah. So I think it's because of our curriculum, it's also because of just the wonderful communities that have brought us out to be a part of their city, right? That San Antonio has a wonderful parent community that really asked for this education and advocated for it, just like this folks in Baton Rouge, right? New schools for Baton Rouge, BRAF, but also just every parent that attended that school board meeting. There were a lot, right? Uh, there were a lot of parents that did, and there are a lot of parents who continue to uh, reach out to Great Hearts Harveston, right? The strength of that parent community has also made these schools and uh, the charter management organization itself effective, but also it's just the dedication of the teachers and the learners buy into the, our mission, right, to cultivate hearts and minds through the pursuit of truth, goodness, beauty that has uh, that has led to us being having having such astounding results. So let's talk about the, the move here to, to Baton Rouge. I mean, as you said, there's, there's been incredible demand for your program coming here. Now, I know you were also, as an organization, being courted by other states, other mm -hmm. governors mm -hmm. even, who from Florida and Colorado, who wanted a Great Hearts school in their, in their state, in their community. Sure. Um, w w what really stood out for, for you all in Baton Rouge? Why did you think it was ideal to open a school here? And, and, and how's it going so far as you get ready to uh, prepare to open next yeah. fall, fall yeah. 2023? What I what I'd say about why Baton Rouge itself was so appealing is there's just such a high concentration of good people. Not to say that the other cities don't have that, but in my interview experience, it just became very clear right off the bat that everybody who wanted us out here wanted us for the right reasons. They wanted a a solid school community and they wanted a rich curricular experience. Yes, they wanted uh, post secondary outcomes and good ones, but the, the the real core reasons they want they wanted us out here were for the community and the rigorous classroom experience. And that, that excited me to come out here individually. But what I would say is it's a competitively intelligent bunch of people, but uh, also just uh, incredibly generous as well, yeah. right? That was my experience with Baton Rouge in a nutshell, was these are people that want to uh, spark change, people that want to um, really improve the city and really improve outcomes for everybody, but also people who will give you the shirt off their back, right? So. Groups like New Schools for Baton Rouge, a lot of other, um, a lot of other private industries and nonprofits made it really easy uh, for us to come here. One because they had such passion and verve, right? But also because they um, they were incredibly generous, right? And and the families themselves that spoke, that weren't affiliated with New Schools for Baton Rouge or with any of these non nonprofits, were just so passionate about the core of what Great Hearts offers that it was it was just kind of a no brainer for Dan, for Jay, for, for those who were making the decision early on that we were going to come to this city yeah. uh, because they want us for the right reasons and they are just, they're, they're making it really easy. It's just a high concentration of awesome people. Now, the other interesting thing about um, Great Hearts coming to Baton Rouge is, is where you're locating. Um, mm -hmm. you, you're locating in an area that there really was not access to a, a public school in that area 
Um, you formed this partnership with the East Baton Rouge Parish School Board, which has granted you all a charter or a contract to mm -hmm. operate mm -hmm. as a public school in partnership with them. And you are one of the first sort of real developments in this new community uh, area called Harveston. So talk to us a little bit about the uniqueness of um, the place you are going, the kind of communities, uh, you know, adjacent to that that you'll be serving uh, and, and what just excites you about just the physical place uh, of this, of where the school is going. Yeah. Harveston is a very dynamic uh, community, even though phase one has only just been completed, right? When you walk around Harveston, you can see the mission of the development. Well, that's unique in and of itself, that, that a real estate development like Harveston has a mission, right? Yeah. Uh, when you when you walk around it, all the houses are facing common areas, so so kids can get out uh, of their houses, hang out on the front porch, front porch, see other kids, and then go to that common area and play together. And parents can sit on the front porch and talk with each other, and yeah, and hang out and get to know each other. They can be involved in each other's lives, right? Uh, that mission of cultivating a community is such a is it's overlaps so well with great hearts right we want that village feel that when people say they're going home to baton rouge or they're going home to their hometown they don't necessarily mean their their physical house right they mean they're going home to that place that city block or that that area that really formed them and i think harveston aims to to leave a mark on people like that and so does great hearts harveston there's also just incredible opportunity there's there's a number of people coming together to make sure the neighborhood has excellent opportunities like uh from what i understand in phase two they're going to have restaurants they're going to have storefronts but they aim to have a very humanely inclusive community there as well making sure the employees of said said businesses uh are there there's going to be opportunities for people uh for student Students and adults with special needs, there's going to be opportunities for a number of people who wouldn't otherwise get them at, at these storefronts. I just think that overlaps tremendously with Great Heart's philosophy that the best education for some is the best education for all. The best community for some ought to be the best community for all. We're really excited. And, and you've been doing, I mean, uh, talk about putting you know feet to the pavement. I know you've been out talking and meeting with parents <laughs> right. and community members, not not only kind of in, in, in physically in Harveston, but uh, in the Gardier area, which yes. is next door, yeah. all across the city, quite frankly. Talk, talk to us about some of those conversations and just the outreach that yeah. you and your team have been doing over the sure. course of this year. Sure. Sure. Yeah, we have been paying regular visits to the Gardier Initiative, uh, going to Gardier Christian Academy. Um, we've partnered with uh, the Steadfast, a nonprofit uh, on Government Street, to to, to help us do or, uh, outreach in North Baton Rouge. Um, we try to make it our goal to be in North Baton Rouge at least at least two to three times a uh, a month, uh, passing out our tour kits, our pamphlets, to make sure we can make clear to everybody what's available yep. and that we'll have transportation and that we're there to meet a lot of basic needs to to make this com uh this education accessible uh we've we've gone into gardeer and also gone to a number of their events i think um there was a trunk retreat there there's a christmas event that we we hope to be at as well uh, there's already been just such amazing work being done in the Gardier community by Dr. Harrison and the Gardier Initiative by Gardier Christian. We're just we're hopeful that that we can continue to um, support them in any way, and that we can meet the needs that they uh, that any that any uh, student in Gardier may have, such that they can access our education. I, I, I've said it three times now. I'll say it again. It's 
uh, we truly believe that if this is the best education that can be offered, we ought to offer it to every human, regardless of where they come from. And and I'm I'm sure because I I knew this when we were frankly recruiting great hearts to consider mm-hmm. Baton Rouge that the the demand from families in this community is going to be uh, significant that there's um, uh, such a, a passion for this type of education that you know may not be for everyone but it is certainly a, a unique offering that we have not had yeah, certainly that's right. publicly available tuition free and I'm sure you've sensed the the demand that's that's been that's been really strong and pent up for this yeah yeah we had a strong show and open enrollment right okay. that was a that was a big milestone for nice. us right um so now we're in that blackout period and we'll start accepting rolling applications here in january but we have sensed a very strong a very strong show and very strong desire from from a number of families we've done multiple uh coffee chats multiple chick-fil-a nights multiple online info sessions and there's always a strong turnout of new folks but what really struck me is there's there's a strong turnout of repeat uh, great hearts enthusiasts who come and uh, I, I swear one lady even made her own t-shirt and uh, <laughs> we haven't even begun to sell swag yet so I thought that was particularly uh, exciting thing shirt off, right? their, off their backs there you go <laughs> this is that's right that's right lots of lots of excitement lots of wonderful wonderful families that we're so excited to partner with for families and, and other community members that are looking whether to prospectively enroll their children in the school or get involved how, how can they learn more about about mm-hmm. great hearts? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say there's two easy ways, right? If you if you're just looking to get some quick facts, go to greatheartsharveston.org, right? You'll see our track record of success from all the regions that we've been in, from from college results to post secondary results to work with special education to to athletics, right? So greatheartsharveston.org will uh, will show you a number of uh, of factoids about our performance thus far and about our program, our curriculum, et cetera. If you would like to set up a phone call, a Zoom, or an in-person meeting with me, my assistant head of school, she's already on board, Miss Kimberly Mangarelli, formerly with the International School. If you would like to set up a, a meeting or any sort of more individual conversation, uh, if you just email info at greatheartsharveston.org, uh, that'll get funneled to, to us and we will make sure uh, that we established that meeting as well. Oh, that is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well, Sam, we, we can't thank you enough for joining us uh, in this episode of the pod and for you and your family believing in Baton Rouge and, and joining right. part of us and now offering such a unique and dynamic offering to our families. We're grateful to have you here. Oh, I appreciate it. appreciate it. We've loved it so far. For more information about Great Hearts Harveston, please visit greatheartsharveston.org to learn more. As always, thank you for listening in. I'm your host, Chris Meyer, and our mission is to elevate the stories, people, and ideas making Baton Rouge a better place. Until next time. To learn more about the Baton Rouge Area Foundation, please visit our website at braf.org and become a member today.